Hi, this is Jeannie Patel-Thompson from ListenToYourHorse.com. And today I have Alicia Evans with me. She is a certified fitness trainer, breathing coach, intuitive guidance counselor, wellness coach, author, animal communicator, and healer utilizing techniques like Reiki, somatic body work, and Wuming Qigong. So you can connect with her for personal empowerment at thewhitewolfway.com and for animal communication at animalhealer.com. But healer is spelled H-E-E-L-E-R. So that's really cute little play on words there, Alicia, because I know you work a lot with dogs. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure and such an honor to connect with you. Yeah, and we just connected spontaneously through um, the Listen to Your Horse blog and videos, and then we had you know conversations, and I was like, we have to talk about wolves because, <laughs> Alicia, you've had quite a bit of experience with wolves and with wolf energy, and you know you've branded your your personal empowerment coaching stuff, the white wolf way. So I want to just jump right on in there and let you kind of flow into that wolf wisdom. Like what does the wolf have for us? What's, what's kind of coming to you? So like when you said that, I got such full body to like, even on the top of my head, I was like, I have goosebumps on my goosebumps. Um, well, what it has for us as women and women coming into really probably taking over a lot of the leadership structures and leadership places that have typically been taken over by the patriarchy. The thing that wolves have taught me is there is a very distinct level of embodiment of energy and that we, we actually have the capacity to hold and we actually have the capacity to carry that we do carry, but that has just been suppressed, you know, and kind of like tamped down. Um, do you want to know the, the story of the behind the behind, how even the wolves like came about? Yeah. When my parents, <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> my, uh, my parents got divorced when I was nine and my dad would take us to the Bronx Zoo on weekends. And I always had a passion for animals, always loved dogs, always loved horses, cats. I really just didn't understand energy yet, so we didn't always get along. Um, but I remember going to the zoo and, and, and there were wolves and I just would sit, I just, I couldn't explain it at nine, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, I just was in awe. There was something drawing me to them. Years later, I had a chocolate lab named Barney. Barney was horrific on a leash. And one day after an unfortunate choke chain incident, I said, I'm going to find a way to create a, a system or something that lets humans and dogs communicate better. So Barney and I, Barney left the planet. I made him a promise that I would find something. And I, I moved out to Colorado from New York in 2001 after having been a fitness trainer. So I really understood bodies, but now I needed to understand animal bodies. Mm. When I went out to Colorado, a client of mine asked me to uh, finish, uh, I'm sorry, to dog train for him, started dog training, started using my animal communication skills and started realizing, wait a minute, there's a whole entire language here mm -hmm. that 
we're not talking about. And it's not the same language as what we see with, oh, the, the body meant this, or the ear was that way, or the tail was that way, or, or the, you know. Yeah. There was literally an energetic language of communication. And I just, you know, as an animal communicator, I was watching this and I'm like, well, I don't totally understand what this is, but I do understand there's something in here that I need to understand to a much greater degree. And what's what I love about what you just said is because I get this a lot on my my listen to your horse videos. And for some reason, a lot of guys are ending up on that channel and they're like, I've never even been around a horse. I know nothing about horses. Can you give me a lexicon so I can understand what's going on here? And they're like, you know, like when the horse does this, what does it mean? And that's been my challenge to communicate to them. It's not just, oh, the horse's ears are pinned. He's angry or he's like, there's an entire, like you said, an entire lexicon of communication. Yeah that goes along with one ear position because it has to be taken in totality with what is the rest of the body doing? What angle is it doing? What's happening around? What is the energetic communication? Because ears, horses, when horses meditate, they often have their ears back. Their body's completely chilled out. It's completely relaxed. It's just, that's a relaxation position for the ears. And then when they're driving each other and the body is like a coiled spring and the energy is all warm, the ears are back. So the ears look the same, but all the right. all the language and all the energy and everything and the intention is completely different. So I love I love the way you well, and language that's, that. Thank you. And that's exactly where that inner language started to show up because through animal communication is like okay, we got we've got the pictures back and forth. We've got like can can you hear me? Can I hear you? Can we speak in a language? I mean, I asked the animals, I said, listen, if I'm going to do this professionally, you must communicate with me in English because if I'm going to translate for you, yeah, I have to make sure I am completely accurate with, with what I'm sharing. But it started going beyond that. You know, it, it started going into the feeling. That's to me, that's what intention is. It's the feeling inside of where you're feeling tension spots, not feeling tension spots. I know we've made it from the human perspective. Intention is a very clear picture right. backed up by an energy. But that this is what I actually think is the actual meaning of intention from an animal's perspective. Very interesting. So as I was studying and working with the dogs, I was like, uh, there's way more to this than I ever even fathomed. And I asked the universe, my, one of my basset hounds was, um, unfortunately she got very, very sick at one and a half and it took them a very long time to culture what was actually making her sick. And I knew she was going to go the night before. And I just laid down on her bed with her and I said, listen, I don't know if you want to come back or not. If you do, I'd love to have you because you'll pick another body. But would you come back as a white wolf with blue eyes? And I very specifically asked her that. And she left the next day. And a couple days later, I was just sort of still in a daze. Like, I can't believe she's gone. And I started just looking on the internet for some reason for hybrids. 
and I was looking for a white wolf with blue eyes. And I, I, I tell you, Ginny, it wasn't even conscious. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to sit down. I was like, how did I even get here and get on the computer looking at this? Because I was still so you know in another time space uh, you know what realm. you're preaching to the choir because i found my right? black horse that way <laughs> i wasn't looking yes yeah yes well three weeks later i found her and she was in south carolina and i've never ever done this before but i actually had her flown up to denver and <laughs> opened up her crate and i was like oh my God, this is my teacher. The reason why I asked for a white wolf with blue eyes, I didn't really fully understand the whole white wolf concept yet, but I knew that I wanted a dog that was enough wolf that remembered the authentic instinctual language, the inner energy language, mm -hmm. that would be my teacher. That was really what I didn't, I wasn't able to pull that whole thing together at the time of, yeah. of that was what I was wanting. But that really was the culmination of what I wanted. I wanted to learn directly from no interference. I didn't care what science said. I didn't care what any other human said. I was like, not many humans study language on this level because not many of the people that do research understand telepathy or understand clairaudience or clairsentience, you know? So I wanted direct feedback there, every there, stage. That is, is such a powerful thing. And I've experienced that again, completely inadvertently through my horses because I had no concept of, you know, no intention to get a wild or feral horse or anything. And again, my first four horses that I wound up with were all semi-feral so they were owned by someone but they had basically been turned out on whatever hundreds of acres in the mm -hmm. up in the interior of bc and just left it was the old guy and his wife and things got out of hand so they just kept breeding so they'd never been touched they'd never been haltered they were literally living like a wild yeah. herd and then for the second yes. herd that you know just came to me they were completely wild from birth and then they were rounded up because there's too many horses and they were getting killed on the roads. You know, your classic, we got too many horses and not enough land scenario. Um, but like you, what I realized after having them, because it wasn't intentional on my part, but obviously the universe knew what I needed. Uh, I realized that what you just described, the communication from the animal who has not been domesticated, who still has that and, and of course they become domesticated once they come to us, but they, if they're like you and me, and we retain that knowledge of that importance of that route to the wild, and we seek no matter what to not mutate or interfere. And like so many people with horses and, and with dogs, no doubt too, they're like, well, you have to do this because what if the dog, what if the horse gets sick? What if you need vet care? What if you want? And so the whole training is fear driven. And for me, yes. I'm like, I don't care if you stay wild forever. I don't care if you never let a human touch you. Awesome. That's less scratches for me to have to give every day while I show up. Because, you know, once they figure out what, how good we are at scratching their itchy spots, you know, that's a full-time job. So that's been my attitude. And then whatever the horses want to learn and whatever adventures they want to have, like if they're like, I need to leave the pasture. Well, 
the only way I can do that because I'm in the middle of a city and there's cars and motorbikes everywhere is to put a halter on you or at least a neck loop. Like, do you want that? Which one do you want? Okay. And so it's all driven by the horse and the horse will go over and stand at the gate and say, put the thing on me, let's go. And so like you said, but they, because it's all coming from empowered choice, that wildness, that empowered enlivened being does not die. Exactly. And, and, you know, I watch this happen in training dogs all the time because, you know, people will say, well, dogs aren't descendants of wolves. It's like, Wolves have a very specific communication and it's not just the body language. It it is the telepathy. It is the energy. It is the feel. It's these things that we can't yet measure with science. And what I see happening over and over and over in the dog training world is that you got an agenda. Now I understand the agenda is to keep the animal safe. I get that. But what we do is we apply human-based thinking to what the training is, and we generally have the agenda. We're going to teach. You're going to learn. Yes. There's not a lot of people on the planet. There are some amazing people, and like you and I, like we will step back and say, teach me. Mm-hmm. Because there is a level of confidence. Most people like exactly what you said. Most people. And when I say most, not kidding, I would say it's probably as high as 98% of the people Mm. train from a place of fear, Mm -hmm. not from a place of confidence and authenticity of understanding what that inner language is so that you can be respectful in your communication. Most people now try to bridge that gap with a treat. Yes. My problem with treats is no one in the wild works that way. Yeah. And because most of us do not understand what the Chinese understand that, and you, you know, you have listened to your horse and listened to your gut. So this is like, so right up your alley. They don't train based on food. They train based on the energy. Food is the part of how they work together to survive. But what we've turned and done with the dogs and especially with the horses too, every single time you go to feed when they wouldn't naturally be eating, you're completely stoking up the gut. What the Chinese know about the gut is that it actually is responsible for the quality of the mind. Yes. So as soon as you start introducing food and now that animal is working from the dictates of the gut Mm -hmm. to get the food versus tuning into the gut and paying attention to, oh, you're a clear communicator, so now I understand what you do want. The problem is that the humans aren't clear enough in the energy language, so they're using the treats and then the clickers, right? Because it's the only thing that they can put together from a quote-unquote scientific perspective. But unfortunately, what I see is, and I was thinking about this today before we got on the call, I was driving up my road and I was like, something is bothering me about this treat thing in terms of health for the animals. 
Every single time you feed, you literally change the gut biome. If you change the gut biome, you change the brain biome. Yeah. The one thing, at least in dog training, that has changed over the last 15 years, and this cancer rates are, have skyrocketed to one in two, the biggest change that has happened in the last 15 years, it's not the vaccines. It's somewhat the foods, because they're grain-free and, and stuff like that. But dogs were on grain food for a very, very long time, and the cancer rates were not one in two. But it's the treats. The one thing in the last 15 years, and there's not much that's changed in the vaccines they get. Really? The, the vaccine thing schedule has hasn't, hasn't increased? No, not, not the way that it has. And actually, not the way that it has for children, right? Because mm. children up now to two years old, they're getting, getting 72 yeah. vaccines. It's like, okay, do you not realize that that's creating autism? But for the dogs, it really hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, so you have the three years on the rabies. You know, now they're even saying dogs should not be vaccinated every year. They, they should be getting titers. And what they're finding with the titers is you can go two to five years without ever having to revaccinate, mm -hmm. you know, for certain things. And I don't mean to get off on the topic of that, yeah. but how it all ties in is when you are listening from that inner space, Deep, deep listening. It's like the ears connected with the gut. You start understanding these subtle things that are happening that are that are shifting behaviors or you know even health because you're tuned in on that level. And and as I know you know this because of what you do with the gut. As soon as you, your gut is out of balance, your brain's going to be out of balance. Mm -hmm. Bring the gut back into balance. You. you thoroughly support the brain much more efficiently. But being in that gut, it's the feel. So when you said that the, the men are showing up, which is fantastic, and they're like, well, how do you do that? It's the feel. It's feeling connected with thinking because for the animals and especially for the wolf, there's no difference. Yeah. The only difference for them is that when they have to be around humans, they have to tune into, okay, is this being in integrity or not? Because mm -hmm. humans often say one thing but do another thing. Yeah. And so, often are so not even aware whole, of that. <laughs> oh, my. Well, and you know the other thing that I realized from working directly with my female, because I, I never had a female dog before, and I wanted an alpha female because I knew that there was going to be something different that was going to be taught. I didn't understand why I knew I, it, you know, it was just following that path and just trusting it. Mm -hmm. What she showed me was so important. And this is where it all ties back to the female leadership. She said, do you realize that it's the females? It's the matriarchy in every single pack or herd or pride that is responsible for the primary socialization skills mm, that any point. of our young have. It's not the male. And it was just like, I mean, pieces like that. And then she showed me another piece of how as humans, we tend to work. She said, as humans, you don't understand. You, you, she said, you attack us for us doing something that appears to you to be fierce 
you know? Yeah. When a, when a man, <laughs> when a mare puts her foot down, it's like, you better get out of the way and, and you better have gotten out of the way two seconds ago. Right. Yeah. And the same thing with the wolves. But she said, what you don't understand or what you misunderstand is it is a primal instinctual nature for every female to correct the behavior immediately. She said, we don't correct the being, we correct the behavior. Yeah. And she started explaining to me the difference of fears. And she said, the reason why we have it is because we don't go into emotional the way that you humans do. Right. In a certain moment when training is involved. She said, but what you do is you, you humans tend to go more into fear when you want to ask for something. Is my kid going to be upset with me? Is my spouse, how am I going to say this to get what I want, what I need? So she's like, so you see how you're already creating an energy where it's not really in alignment. And then when you don't get what you want, you start getting frustrated and then you start getting pissed. She said, and the problem with anger is she said, it's a very clear signal about a boundary. Okay. If you're starting to get angry, something or someone is crossing your boundary. She said, but if you respond from anger, you land up attacking the being. And that I think is what has happened to so many of us and to so many women that we literally somebody took their anger out on us and we were like that does not feel right like that that does not like i don't ever want to do that to anybody because it was done to me we know what it feels like but we just haven't known like what's the next step Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because we still need to have boundaries and we still need to honor our anger and and why so many women land up like getting depressed or land up feeling like not confident about themselves is, is cause they know their boundaries being crossed, but we're not really taught like how do we most effectively handle that? Yeah. And that's, what's been fascinating about learning from this female because she would train a puppy. She would be like, like watch this. So I, you know, I'd sit and I'd watch her work with the puppy and because I can read the energy and because she was telling me what was happening, it was mind blowing. I was like, science is never going to figure this piece out. But yeah. like, really? Like, that's how you guys use energy. That's how you do things. And she said, yes. And so what she started teaching me was ways to actually start helping women be able to incorporate that and right. wake up that yeah. fierce energy, not to take someone's head off. But, but as we know, we've got some really bad male behavior on the planet yes. right now. <laughs> the biggest reason for it is because the females are not standing up and putting their foot down and saying, it's done. Right. Not attacking, not going to war. But when a woman stands in her power and says, it's done. Yes. The, they can't do anything else except turn around and go in a different direction. So it's been fascinating to see and understand. I mean, I thought I was just understanding about the dogs, you know, and like how will, how would this help me improve, you know, the behaviors. Yeah. And I will never forget the first time that I went to the wolf sanctuary in New Mexico and I put my hands on the back of a nine-year-old wolf and I'm, 
I, I would consider myself pretty well versed in, in the language of telepathy and energy, you know, and I thought, okay, I, I tell you point blank. I mean, I was like, I don't know if I'm terrified, electrified. I don't know what this feeling is, but I, I was like, I'm actually kind of scared because, yeah. because it took that whole language to such a different level. And what I realized that what it awoke was my primal instinctual knowing like there is no more BS. There's no more BSing myself or other people or not fully standing in this power, not in an aggressive way, mm -hmm. but in a way that says, if the boundary is called, don't cross it. That it's like to prevent a war. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to start one. <laughs> yeah. Or to respond to one. I, you know, it almost seems to me like you're talking about the difference between anger and fierce. Like, cause yeah. fierce, they're different. Is, they're very different. Fierce is yes. very strong. It can be shocking. Um, it's very yes. clear. And it's boom, yes. and it's gone. Anger is exactly, like, you know, it, and that's what it feels it like. It bubbles to me. up. Yeah. Yes. The anger, the anger is the recognizing that somebody has crossed your boundary, and then the I have no idea how to access that fierce energy to make them stop. Because think about what we get taught as women. You know, be a good girl don't get angry don't you know whoa you can't be the the dad sets the boundary in the house it's like the dad does it mom does and and i think that we've gotten and, and nothing against men this is not in any way shape or form men bashing but when you look at how any pride or herd or pack is raised it is always mom with the baby Dad goes out and takes care of food and brings it back. Dad is responsible for the bigger picture of keeping everybody safe because he's got the brute force. But it is the mares that lead the herds. It is the alpha females that lead the packs. And it is the lionesses that lead the prides and, and even the herds of elephants. Yeah. So it's a very interesting thing that if we're going to talk science, hmm. which I'm, I'm fine with, but most of the science is actually backwards because they've never studied the alpha female role. They, they don't understand it because they think that it's the male that does this, but the male doesn't have a ton of involvement in really raising the young. I mean, he takes them out, he teaches them to hunt, he corrects things. But the female is really that grounding force, which is why I think we're seeing, as we're seeing a rise in the feminine on the planet, it is essential that women now understand this inner energetic language of what fierce actually is, how important it is that it connects us to our gut instincts, and that, like you just said, it is simply used to say, cut that. It's not anger. It's just the clarity that that behavior is done. That will never happen again. Mm -hmm. and, it, and like you said, it is shocking to a certain degree because it's, it's like stunning because sometimes it can be very, very intense. 
But again, when you don't throw anger at the being and fracture the being, right? Like making them, it's not just that that behavior was bad, but it's like, you're bad, you're wrong, you're this, you're, because they are so precise with it, it really doesn't leave a lot of fragments because anger, you know, you, like you start, like you start feeling it, right? And you start like, you start getting the adrenaline. And then all of a sudden, like, even when you say what you had to say, like you still come back five times, right? Like you walk out of the room and then you go, and another thing, you yeah. know, and then you walk out again. And you know what? And I'm just dreaming. So, so fear you get in your car and you're like, and I should have said this, but I wish I would have said that. And you're like, you're still right. Exactly. Because anger will, it's just like a self-feeding loop. Fierce is a very clear, precise energy that the animals use to say, bad behavior is not tolerated. Here's the rules of the jungle. Everybody abides by them. Yeah. That's how... If we really, if the humans weren't on the planet, the planet would be fine. The animals would be fine. Nature would be fine yeah. because she sticks within her rules. But because we have so gotten out of control with anger, which a lot of the patriarchy is exhibiting, and the feminine hasn't fully stepped back into the fierce yet, yes, and held that space, this is really kind of why we're seeing the things coming up that we're seeing. And because anger is, is probably one of the more prevalent energies, right. To, to, to change things we're getting there. But when we really understand, and a lot of women too, they hear the word fierce, they want to run the other way. That's going to make my girlfriends not like me. That's going to, you know, no, it won't. But if you don't own your fear, it's going to own you. If you don't own your fears and just use it for those precise moments where it's like, there is no question that is bad behavior. That's done. It doesn't leave the same residue that anger does. It doesn't make you want to then, you know, like congregate with another friend to talk about another friend. You know, it doesn't triangulate. It's just clean and clear. Yeah. But it's only about behaviors. And it's, mm-hmm. it's fierce, but it's not charged, right? Like, and it's no. so interesting because my horses have been schooling me on this, of this way of just bam, react and drop it. La, 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 la. Yeah. Right? So yes. there's, it's, exactly. it's, it's not charged. It's not manipulative. It's not bossy. You're not going like, yo, I'm the boss. You have to do what I say because I said it. Like, it's none of that toxic stuff. And then they- If you're the boss, you never say it. No. <laughs> if then, you were the boss- you never have to say a word. You're the boss. Everybody knows it because they can feel it. And it's not emotional. That's the difference between the humans and the animals. Yeah. For the animals, when it comes to behavior, it is not emotional. It is just, this is the law. This is the way it is. This is how we survive generation after generation after generation through all the millennia and after millions and millions of years. For humans, it's emotional. Yeah. It's emotional like, I can't believe how much I love you and look at what, how you're behaving. Or I can't. And as soon as you go there, you've lost it. 
for behavior. That's not yeah. to say animals will correct behaviors, but then they're totally loving and nurturing. And you know, yeah. it, it's we need boundaries. Yeah, we need really clear, healthy boundaries. And and boss for humans is a place of dominance, whereas boss for animals is you get to be the boss when you hold within your being the greatest wisdom and the greatest place of safety. That's who's the boss. And like you said, if you're talking about it, you don't have it because you, you just have to be in that space and you just have to be that being. Exactly. Yes. And that's, it's interesting because whether I'm working with the dogs or the wolves or the horses or even cats, it is literally an energy you hold within you mm-hmm. that, I mean, if I've had dogs come up to me that were off, way off balance that, you know, like right in my face and I'm thinking, are you insane? Like, do you, like, I get this more than anybody else. So that is not going to work with me, you know? And then they're like, and then they don't know what to do. So the behavior starts sort of falling apart because they can't get the same charge out of it. Yeah. And so much of this, you know, I actually look at it literally now with the dogs, with the horses. I teach this as an actual spiritual practice, like a fully embodied spiritual practice. Animal healer came because when I promised my chocolate lab, I would find a way for, for dogs and humans to get together and, you know, be able to communicate more clearly through training. I created a product called walk and sync, which is a dog harness and leash that literally you can take the heaviest pulling dog. And in five minutes with total ease, they'll stop pulling. I figured out a lot of scientific pieces and then I figured out like, oh my God, so this is, ah, this is how the energy works. Spirit just kept showing me. So because of the fact that I was already an energy healer, but now I'm teaching all of these dogs to heal, and somebody already had the name animal healer, H-E-A-L-E-R, I was like, great, I'll be the animal healer. And what was fascinating is, it's far easier to actually teach humans this energy language than what we think and and when they start learning it like the dog you have to walk your dog two to three times a day right so if i show you a framework of okay here's how your breathing needs to be Mm. and here's how your pictures need to be because often human oftentimes why there's a miscommunication as humans we say things but we don't realize we have a backwards picture. Like if I said, like if you're going on a road trip and I was like, hey, travel safe. I'm saying travel safe, but I'm literally probably picturing hopefully they don't get into an accident. Yeah. So if an animal's primary form of communication is not words, it's actually pictures, which again, science hasn't, they'll validate it eventually. We're running ahead of science. Um, but if you, you know, as soon as you get into alignment with clear pictures, clear words, now all of a sudden you're in your body, like you said, being that being that makes all the difference. Cause speaking to an animal isn't going to get you more. It's actually going to get you like, you know, them kind of look at you like, well, 
But as soon as you get quiet and you come into that inner energy language alignment, now all of a sudden they're leaning in because they're like, wait a minute, not a lot of humans do this. You, you know this, you know yeah. this language and it shifts everything. To me, I'm like, that, that's where the foundation, I think of all of our relationships with animals that's where it needs to start. And I'm grateful that I went and I studied with the wolves a bunch because I, I, would, I would probably feel that you, you have experienced this also. There's a level when we really let go of that human mindset and construct and we take things back to all beings are equal. We just might be in different suits. Something happens where we get into communion. And when we drop into that place of communion, there is such a deep level of humbleness at the recognition that there is so much more taking place by us being quiet and, and listening and utilizing our energy to ask questions than there is by anything we can go out and do and rope a horse and get this and get that and get because it totally changes the the, the language is so different mm -hmm. i swear i'm always amazed and so grateful to the animals that they haven't hurt more of us yeah that's because what i we are so balanced right yeah, we're just, yeah, exactly. And one of my recent wildies who just came to me, she's, and she was the matriarch of the herd. And it was interesting because, so there was three of them and two of them were pregnant. So now there's five. Um, but of the three original wild horses, she was clearly the leader and she was the matriarch. And they'd stayed together by forming this pod that just moved as a unit through the culls and the transfers to the rescues. And they just refused. You could not separate them. Um, and she's the one who stepped forward to have the interaction with the human at the rescue center. So, of course, as a human, especially a human running a rescue center, your agenda is... I need to get this horse handled. I need to get a halter on them. Once their halter broke and they can be touched by humans and they can have their teeth done and their hooves trimmed and vet care, like basically until we can invade every part of their body. Uh, now right. we can adopt them out. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't like it, but at the time <coughs> I understand if you're running a rescue, that's how totally. you got to roll because there's very Definitely. few people like you and me who are like, wild, awesome, leave it that way, <laughs> right? So as a result, the lead mare, Kalia, had, uh, when she came to me, I finally got her to my place because, again, I let them choo cho choose who got on the trailer when. It was all done by choice. Nobody was driven onto a trailer. I was like, again, with the pictures, here's where you're going. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. You guys decide because recognizing that I have a fraction of the wisdom that a herd functioning as a herd has and owning that going, you're the boss, you be in charge, whoever's meant to come now comes now. And so as they came from the rescue to my place, it was done completely calmly and the, the trailer gates were closed and, and the ride down was awesome and because it was all their choice. So she was the last one. Yeah. To come she made sure her herd and and the babies were moved and then she and her baby came last 
after they had all assimilated and integrated into my herd. So all of the negotiations were like, she's just brilliantly masterminded it. So she arrives and the other two don't allow themselves to be touched still. They won't come, and I'm totally fine with that. And we've actually done body work for them with one of my other horses surrogating. And the horse steps forward and says, I'll surrogate for him. Oh, I've just lost you. Oh, there you're back. Well, I'm here. Sorry. There. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but what I noticed about Kalia, about this black matriarch, is in her time, her few months at the rescue organizations, she had learned the language of humans, which is, if I want food, treats, grain, whatever, I have to allow you to put your hands on me. And so she would come up and offer that to me and say, hmm. And I, and I had this feeling, it was so awful. I didn't know whether it was a mixture of the deepest sadness and the strongest anger. And I'm like, you've basically learned how to be a hoe. You've learned to let, to prostitute yourself to get food and to allow your sacred body to be invaded and handled and touched in ways that you don't want at all. But you know, if you don't, you can't get food for your herd. And this is what we humans do. And we call it training. And so my thing with her is, yeah, it was just, it was, I was, like I said, I was equal parts angry and just devastated with sadness because I met her right after I, she was called. I met her a couple days after I, she was Go ahead. That's like that mix of the deepest sadness and, and also like the outrage and anger. Till I met with the wolves, like I had always been feeling this notion of like the primal scream just yeah. pri like just and i didn't always understand why and when the animals vocalize i mean it's not always like the the primal scream level but but it's a primalness and after having gone and seen the wolves about three or four times i just don't know how i even found it but i found this spot way up on a mountain in, in uh, new mexico and for the first time and I don't know if, because that mix of the sadness and the anger was so intense, I literally felt like I could kill someone. Mm -hmm. And I'm not that type of person. No, you're not. But, but the, the feeling of that level of rage at what has been done what has been done to the earth, what has been done to the animals, what is being done to humanity. Yeah. I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I found a place to just let it out on, on just the most raw primal level. Because I also felt like, well, if I do this around humans, they're going to think I'm nuts. Yeah. Right. Cause, yeah. cause so many of us are numbed out and yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't numb out that exact feeling any longer. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so deep because the level of, of betrayal, the level yeah. of arrogance, the level of just saying, you know, except you don't know anything. No. And the humble, like... yeah, to be in yeah. that humbled place where it's like, here I am thinking, okay, I've trained over 3,500 animals. And then I go to put my hands on the back of a wolf and I'm like, 
I've never fully understood what primal is mm-hmm. till this. Yeah. Because it was it cut through all of the layers of conditioning and baloney and you know programming that we're taught. And that is, I believe, one of the things that why they want to take all of these animals out of the wild, not just for land uses, but if we get back to that primal instinctual level as females, and again, I don't see this like we're going out and we're sniffing butts or we're ripping faces off. That's, that's not, you know, that's not the level, but to know in our gut when the behaviors that are being perpetuated are not acceptable that is what I think the biggest thing that the patriarchy is actually afraid of because you know it's mother nature right don't mess with mother nature like don't mess with a woman scorned because once she realizes that you've betrayed her it's like she's got boundaries now you're not coming back in because your behavior was not acceptable and I, and that was one of the greatest things that the wolves taught me and the horses teach me all the time too. And the dogs, there is a necessity for healthy boundaries and for really owning and standing in that energy and learning to be that energy once again, every day. And it's not that it's also not loving and kind and gentle and beautiful, but there's an aspect of ourselves if we truly want to change what's happening on the planet there's like this piece is like the and we need to know and own this part of ourselves too and i i want to jump in yeah i want to jump in here because i think because of the way we experience the world as humans and the patriarchy and the dominance has Mm -hmm. been so primary even when you say those words I think that the pictures in our heads are of someone saying, right, enough. It's still coming. I think, I think we don't even have an image of how to be fierce yet loving and nurturing and compassionate and acceptant at the same time. And so, and this is what wild teaches us. So I go to my horses and my horses kick my ass from sunup till sundown, just, you know, showing me what an idiot I am and how I have so much to learn. And I'm just, you know, I'm just, I just there go all the time going, Oh my God, I'm such a loser compared to you guys. But I learn I'm getting better. And I come home and I have an 18 year old son and all of his friends. So guess what happens at home? So I'll give you a really good example. Um, So they were, there were like seven of them in my house and we have a big shed at the back. Like it's a workshop garage place and they're allowed to go back there. Marijuana is pretty much legal here in Canada. So they're out there and they're smoking and they're drinking and they're doing, and you know, I'm like, well, a part of me is like better there than in a park where now the gang comes along and they're having a rumble or a kid the other day got killed because they were playing chicken on the train line. That's where they go when they don't have a house where they can go. And my son said, he goes, we're like the SPCA. And I was like, that's freaking brilliant. It was like all these dogs nobody wants and they come here. (laughs) And he goes, but once they're here, he's like, I can't control them either. Like they're nuts. And I'm like, okay, so. So I go, so they kept me up to like 4.30 in the morning and it was crazy. And again, I was like, ah, boundaries of Allah, but nothing works. 
They're 18 year olds. They have no consequential thinking. They're full up to the top of the ends of their hair with testosterone. They're filled with chemical substances and drugs. Oh, you're going to go in there and be, no, you know what? None of that stuff works. It doesn't work. So, but what we're talking about works. So the next morning I go into them. Well, yes. I go into them the next morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I say, guys, we got to come up with a solution. So I'm coming in fierceness. I'm coming in. This cannot happen. I said, you see this house and all the food that you guys eat and everything? Like I, if I don't get sleep, I can't generate the money to pay for all this. And then all this goes away. And they're like, yeah, good point. You need to be able to work. I go, right. So what can we do? Like, let's talk about what you guys need because I don't want to take away your freedom. And I don't want to, but I got to be able to sleep. So let's brainstorm this out. That's what fierceness looks like. And it's taken me like three years to figure that out. Fierceness is not, you know, we have the image of the, well, where's the man of the family walking there? All right, you kids, everybody out of my house. And I go, you can't kick them out. We are half an hour from any city. If we kick kids out of our house, they're going to drunk drive and kill a family of four. Now, where are we? There's nowhere to kick them. We're the SPCA. We're the last stop. <laughs> Nobody else wants them, right? So <laughs> I was like, my son, I was like, sometimes his wisdom just just cracks me right up. But, you know, so you're, you can't kick them out of your house. What are you going to do? Call the police for what? Marijuana is legal. You know, alcohol, whatever they're, you're, you're done. Right. So now the whole system of this patriarchal dominance, the police system, the military doesn't work. There's nothing here. But if we bring, like you said, and the feminine, and it's so interesting because my husband said, you have to be the one that does this. And I was like, why? Because that's just my life path because I get it all day at the barn and then I come home and I get it here. And my husband's a muscular, sporty guy, but he's also, we've co-parented our children. We've both worked and raised children. Our third child, he did all the night feedings. Like he's a fully wow. feminine developed male. And he said, awesome. you have to play this role because he knows what you're yes. talking about. And, and when we had kids, he said to me, he said, there is nothing I can ever do that can compete with the womb and the breast. He said, you have a connection to these kids. I spend more hours per day with them than you do right now because I am so sleep deprived. Um, he said, but you're always going to be the primary because of the womb and yeah. the breast. Right, because I breastfed all my kids, and that's yeah. an incredibly Which intense. Is why that energy? You know, it's I love I love all of that. Yeah. I just I love it. Yeah. And you are so right because so much of the way that we get taught, which is so completely different for the animals, we don't understand. I know you understand this because of what you do, but what has happened with how we learn is backwards. Our gut brain is our primary brain. This is why animals are so brilliant because they're connected to their gut brain. Yeah. We have flipped that. We, there has been so much abuse. And when the abuse happens, you don't want to be in your body. So you run yeah. up into your head and the ego gets created to protect you. And then we think that the brain 
is actually the first place of learning. This is why I find neuroscience so fascinating because I'm like, you guys are close, but you have it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> You're close, but you have it backwards. So what happens is the way we educate is from the intellect. The intellect doesn't have near the capacity that the gut brain does to actually receive all of the information that's going on. Mm -hmm. The gut brain was supposed to be like the raw data intake. You know, you take a picture on your camera and it's like raw data and then you can convert it to your computer or whatever. Then the information was supposed to go up to the brain and the brain goes, oh, well, I know how to create the architecture for this of whatever it is you want to create. Mm -hmm. One of the most fascinating things that I have learned from the wolves, from the horses, from the cats, from many, many, many animals we often, because we get traumatized, our breathing cuts off. So where it starts as a baby in the gut, we get traumatized and it goes up. It, so it starts in the parasympathetic nervous system and then it goes up into the sympathetic. When we try to figure out, you know, all the components of like fierce and kind and all of those things, the brain can't hold all of those as a synthesized yes. way of being. It's got to separate it out and then it's yeah. trying to calculate how do I be that? Well, now I have to be the, which is why so often we feel so awkward. Mm -hmm. When you bring and train the breathing back down into the gut, that gut is able to handle all of it the breath literally harmonizes all of those different aspects. So what happens is whatever aspect needs to come forward in a particular moment does, mm -hmm. and then it comes back in. And like you said before, fierce, there's not a big energy charge to it. It's mm -hmm. just like, boom, here's the boundary. It's not about you, but here's the boundary. Adhere to it where there's going to be consequences mm -hmm. and you can still say it with a smile on your face. But when you're anchored in your body and the energy says like your mayor, she is so anchored in her body. She is so certain, mm -hmm. but it's not that she's mentally certain. Mm -hmm. She so knows this in her gut yeah. that nobody even questions it. So it's anger is that stuff that bubbles up gets chaotic and then we actually like lose ourselves. Yes. We don't even know where we went. And then we feel guilty or we feel bad or we feel terrible. And then we'll land up, you know, in the bathroom crying because we can't believe we did that. Where when fierce is integrated, like you said, bam, here's the boundary. We're all good. So with the boys, really what they need, they need a healthy set of boundaries, which any mama in any herd pack or pride would have laid down, would lay down the boundaries first to say, it's so cool. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Here's the rules. You break them. Here's the consequences. Yeah. You guys are adults. I'm going to totally treat you as adults, but I tell you that we're not going to break this. Now you didn't know that at first because you didn't know they're going to be up till four 30 in the morning, but you could go in there and say, this is not going to work for me. And the reality too is this is your house. They are guests in your house. 
and there are rules. You have no idea by how letting, how setting those boundaries with those boys now, because probably a lot of their parents aren't doing it or won't do it or don't even know how to do it. You have no idea how much you are affecting mm -hmm. the men that these boys are going to grow into. Because when we don't see what it is, what we, when we don't see what honored, authentic, female instinctual leadership really is, which includes the fierce, mm -hmm. that's, how we've, that's how we've got a president who has a mouth like he does and doesn't have, do you know, and I'm not judging him, I'm not judging the politics, I'm just saying as a human being and how he functions, mm -hmm. what he says, how he treats women, there's no boundaries with that man. First thing I would do if I was his trainer is sit down and shut up. <laughs> he, he would get the sit and stay command, right? Ah, stay. <laughs> like till, you know, he finally takes a deep breath and he's able to be in his body in a much more conscious way without you know just intellectualizing himself and going off on a rant. It's it's just Bad behavior isn't really tolerated in nature. And as you and I both know, when it happens, they get kicked out of the pack or the herd or the pride because you can't have that kind of danger upsetting the whole picture. But this is the, this is the interesting thing that um, the male leader of my herd taught me when I was going through about a year ago the worst of the troubles with my with my eldest son and he showed me they, the horses the way they teach me is they acted out for me first so we had the one-year-old Juno and we had the three-year-old Jax and Montaro and me were in the barn and both Juno and Jax came into the barn behaved like complete a complete jerk a complete asshole Montaro ran them out of the barn like what you said this behavior is not tolerated and they came back and he and they were an asshole and he ran them out and they tag teamed one after the other after the other. And, mm -hmm. and I was watching him and I was going, oh my God, you have to work. You, I feel, you, you're, you have the same job I have. You have to work so hard to hold these boundaries and to create this space of, because their barn is kind of like my house, right? It's that this is the space. And in this space, this is a space where we eat. This is a space where we meditate. So you guys don't get to come in here and be assholes because I'm going to run you back out. And then he said to me, this was very key because at that point, you know, I, the difficulties were the point where everybody else was saying, you got to kick him out. You have to make him understand. You got to do tough love. This is your home. It is not acceptable for him to behave like that so he can leave the home. And I was like, if I kick him out, I'm consigning him to drug addiction or something else because he has no he doesn't even have a high school diploma he has no skill set he hasn't even earned a job he's going to be on the streets and i know parents who've done that and their children went either into drug addiction or mental illness as a result because that's not a solution we think it's a solution in our culture because we have anger right. and when we hit anger we just go right that's it and and we think that's and it. we can lay proper boundaries like there were, it's like we're looking at the end result, right? We don't know what else to do with it, but we don't understand we've lost so much because we didn't lay the boundaries in the framework. But it doesn't. And when no. you look at how the animals do it, 
it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. But what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is that our idea of a boundary is very different from an animal's idea of a boundary. And this is what Montar taught me. He's like, see, I keep running them out of the barn. He goes, but, but notice he said, they're allowed to come back. He, and he looked at me, he said, how long have I been teaching Jax? He said, it's been three years incessant. He's still an asshole because that's how he is. He's a really magical, wizardy, playful. He's super smart. He's the one who can unlock gates. If I want to teach the herd anything, I teach Jax first because he gets it right away. Super, super smart. Well, super smart often means pain in the ass. And he's like, it's been three years. He said, but do I say to Jax, you have to go and live in the forest. You are not allowed to be a part of the herd. He goes, we never kick anyone out of the herd. They may have to go on the fringes, but they're not like you need to go live in a different city or a different province to us. They are set. You can still, this, you identify this is your herd, but you don't get to be in the barn. In the barn, you have to behave a certain way. And so he just, yes. and I was like, thank you. Cause I was really searching. I was completely lost as to what to do. And it was mm-hmm. like, number one, you never give up. You recognize that this could take years and it's continual energy output put from you. It is awful. It is, you know, it feels yucky for both of you, but it is what it is. And we accept and we love him no matter what. And we do not reject anyone. We don't let them come in the barn, but they are not rejected. Mm -hmm. They don't have to go live separately because family is family. And so that was, and so when I talk to, when I walk into a group of seven, 18 year olds who are high on whatever they've got, and I walk in by myself, (laughs) like if you don't have your fierce on, you cannot walk into a group of that many testosterone jacked druggy teens with their rap music blaring away. And I go, my boundary is not, this is the boundary and this is the rule. My boundary is like, Hey, I have to get sleep. You guys get that? Do you know why I need to sleep? See this? It'll all disappear. I don't pay the mortgage. It all goes. And they're like, oh yeah, right. Like they're not, they're not, you know, evil. They're just, they're just what they are. Right? They're just what they are. They're just at that stage. Not a lot going on that sees past the next 10 seconds in their life. Exactly. And then saying to them, what do you need? Let's work together. How about we do this? You guys have some ideas. And again, with me, not the expectation that, oh, now they're not going to bother me and they're going to go to bed at a decent time and everything. No, because guess what? The very next night, it's 2.30 in the morning. They Because they- It's like two horses. Right? And so I yes. got to go again. And I go, hey, here's, so here's what's going to happen now. If it doesn't go quiet, tomorrow I'm going to put a lock on the shed. And then every time you guys keep me up, I'm going to lock you out for the next three or four days. So again, yeah. it's a consequence, but the consequence is not levied like, and this, and this, and this, because I'm, then you're in dominance and then you're in anger. And then they go, yeah, well, F you, because you're trying to control it's, them. It's, well, here's the thing though, the way that the animals have shown me they do it. And, and you'll notice the difference like between how Montara would, Correct versus how is it Kalia? Yeah. 
Okay, if she corrects, it ain't happening again. <laughs> okay, because she will drop the hammer to the point. I will not repeat myself. This is what it is. And then what happens is, because I've also seen it a lot with horses and I've seen it a lot with the dogs. There will be a level of fierceness, not mean, and, it, and it's not about domination. It's about clarity of this is the boundary and I'm not going to repeat myself. Because as we both know, I mean, animals in the wild, you can't screw up a lot. Yeah. To, you know, or, or you're going to get your whole family in trouble. You really have to be on it. Yeah. So there is a level that sometimes the hammer will be dropped so that it, that is what literally engages almost like a little bit of like the woe and then the respect mm -hmm. follows that, okay, it's not necessarily that I'm scared of you, mm -hmm. but I respect that you put, anger will make me scared of you, right? Yeah. Because that's like ballistic. I got attacked. I can't, I, I can't pull myself together again. The fears that corrects that clearly, right, and that instantly, that is what they've shown me brings about that level of immediate, like, whoa, hmm. okay, now I have to watch my behavior around you. Again, not because I'm scared, but I respect the hammer that you dropped, and, and I have to pay attention to me. True. Does that, does that make sense? No, you know, you're So it's not anger or dominance, but it's, but it's just a level of here's the deal. And like you said, it is what it is. This is not, I'm not sitting here saying you're a bad kid. I'm not sitting here. What are you doing with your life? I'm just telling you, here's what my rules are and there's no breaking them. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Just it's that. true. I, I don't have a mare in my herd because Kalia's not back in her full self yet. She's still like, mm -hmm. we're, we're giving her space yeah. to, to stop, being, stop being a hoe and go back to being a fierce wild woman. <laughs> um, but one of my dogs who is um, half Talton bear dog, which the Indians up north bred them to hunt bear. So they would go out ahead of the hunters, locate okay. the bear. So very independent thinkers, very fierce, very fearless. She held a cougar off up my daughter and me in the woods in the forest one day. Yeah. The cougar was about to pounce. We didn't know it was no one. Tia didn't even know it was there until it was almost on us. She held that cougar and she told us to run for the truck. And it was like, it was like a force pushed at the back and we both we didn't even question it we took off running my daughter was behind me this is how primal it was and I'm like what is it and she's like I don't know we just ran as fast as we could to the truck we got in and then we called her and literally it was like a second later she came in so fast she almost hit the door on the other side of the truck as she hurtled in we slammed the door and then as we were reversing we saw the cougar's tail so and she's not that big she's a mid-sized dog but she can bring it that's the fierceness we're talking oh, yeah. about. So I've yeah. seen her. And I've seen her discipline puppies with that same fierceness. So I do know. I haven't yeah. seen it in a horse yet, but I've seen it in in a dog. And it, you're right. It's very, and it's just yeah, right. It's and then right after she's fine. Yeah, and yeah, she's, she's like, fine. Oh, I'm back to being lovely, Tia. So and that's the other yes. for us as humans. That you know you've got it if you can drop it and yes. be back to hey and not fake but like oh my god I love you so much and you guys are awesome like you yes. have to, like instantly 
And if it's not instant, you just, yes. right. Cause we're so default to anger. Exactly. And anger lingers, anger holds, exactly. anger stews. Well, and anger also what it literally energetically does in the body from a Chinese medicine perspective, anger is all about the liver, which is the organ that processes stress. Mm -hmm. It's all about the livers on overload. And what happens is that energy goes upward. That's why when a dog is stressed, they'll bark. When a human is stressed, they'll start yelling. When a horse is stressed, they'll start whinnying. Okay. You just said the exact thing that is different between anger and fierce. Mm -hmm. Anger goes up. Fierce goes down. Mm. Go ahead. Try to cross my boundary. You can if you want, but you don't know what side of crazy you're going to step over. Yeah. So take your chances, right? But again, it's not to harm anyone. It's not to start a war. It's not to start a fight. It is just to stand in a level of energy that is actually strong enough and grounded enough that it's stopping a disrespectful energy that is lacking awareness of proper behavior. Yeah. That's really all that it is. And that's why, you know, especially with working with the wolves, I love working with horses. You know, I mean, their energies, they're amazing. And what I learned from the animals was that, you know, before a lot of the humans were here, the, the wolves were the apex predator or the apex leader on the planet. Like when they reintroduced wolves to Yellowstone, it kind of changed the whole ecosystem because yeah. the wolves were driving what was most natural. Yeah. So there's a lot of amazing female leaders on the planet that are, it's that simultaneity. You know, it's like if the matriarchy is taking back over, my understanding from the animals is it was the animals that were the first teachers of the humans mm. of how to live in a sacred and reverent way on this planet. And so it's so fascinating how we're literally kind of like coming full circle to coming back to learning and understanding that primal language because, you know, humans like to set themselves apart. We like to say we're superior. The truth is we're still a mammal. We are an animal. Yeah. And in our arrogance, we say we're the most superior animal. And I go, that's so fascinating. <laughs> Because we're the only ones destroying our environment, yeah. poisoning our own foods, poisoning our own kids, poisoning our own water. Po Would the animals do this? Yeah. Would the animals go out and wage war against each other? Right? So it's a funny thing that we did that we disconnected from what we project on them as like primal or savage. Yet we've become the biggest killers on the planet. Yeah. And it is in coming back full circle to learning this direct energy language that I believe is going to bring us back into our authentic intelligence. Everybody talks about AI and the artificial intelligence. It's like, forget artificial intelligence. We need to understand our own authentic intelligence before we even build anything else technologically yeah. because we don't have the maturity to understand that what we want to do in an instant second you know, it might've taken 5 million years of evolution 
for a very specific reason. And if we don't start remembering and hearing from the animals and letting them teach us this wisdom, I don't think we're smart enough to clone or recreate the God force yet. I really don't. And so to me, I'm like, I trust these animals implicitly. I respect fully their wild nature, the, the, the dangerousness that can happen. But in coming back into this instinctual, like breathing space, the calm space, like that communing space where we really do connect and it's not intellectual, but it's like, you can feel in my gut that I am trustworthy. Yes. I feel like there's so much that we are going to be learning over the next like 10 to 25 years and remembering Mm-hmm. You know, as the sacred knowledge and as the wisdom combined with the fierce, because the women have to say, guys, we've seen what you can do. Move aside for a little bit because your results, you know, yeah. they're not, they're not exactly like what we but, want for a thriving planet. But <laughs> only if the women who are saying that are coming from the place of wild fierceness because most of the women yeah. leaders are just yes. aping the male models. And they exactly. are people who are no more fluent at holding a place of authentic, respectful power, yes. safe power than any of the men. Yes. It's just like same face, same face, different, different uh, gender. Like no difference. A hundred percent. But that's why we're having this conversation because we've, we've stepped into that arena. You know, we, we've realized like, okay, it's wonderful. I mean, I've heard statistics like in the next 12 to 15 years, like 85% of the world's wealth is going to be held by the women, not the men. Hmm. And all of that is incredible. And there is still something that we have to remember and engage with. If we're going to help well, the earth doesn't need our help. The earth needs us to just get our shit together so <laughs> yeah. that we stop hurting her. Yeah, she, exactly. like, you know, so, so there is this, um, there has to be this understanding deeply woven back into our solar plexus mm-hmm. that any choices we make, anything we do, it, it can't be separated from the planet. And yeah. that's why these, these animal beings that come to teach us, you know, when we're really in the level of willing to be humble enough to keep learning and we don't have the agenda, it is so vital, not only for us to learn different things and capabilities in the business world, in the tech world, in the marketing world, but we have to learn who we are again at a primal fundamental level Mm -hmm. because it is part of what will help protect that which is sacred. And again, not to go to war, to stop all of that bad behavior, mm-hmm. just by literally standing and anchoring in who we actually are and yeah. not being afraid of any of what we are. I mean, the Me Too movement has been huge and we see how much abuse there has been. And it's great that we're talking about it. But now we also have to literally rebuild our foundational foundation to being these beings in this world so that will never happen again. Not even because we have to speak it, 
but because we finally have come home and feel safe in our own animal bodies that now I know what healthy boundaries is. Mm-hmm. Now I know how I will move forward. You know, but yeah, it's, it's and, ownership in the body. And, and again, that's another, I found another big difference between anger and fierce is anger leaves you feeling like a victim. You can get as angry as you want. You can yell and rage and throw your boundaries down and punish. And at the end of the day, you're going to feel like a victim because you're just going to feel powerless. And then the amount of energy that took and you're like, now how am I going to do that again tomorrow and the next day and the next day? But fierce, fierce with compassion, respect, right? All the trustworthy, safe aspects of true I don't know. I wish we had a better word than leadership, but I haven't found it yet. Maybe, maybe you'll find it. Maybe the wolves will give it to us. <laughs> but, Hopefully, right? But um, when you can exist, I in think that- guardianship. Guardianship. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's I'm leadership, but guardianship is also seeing that bigger, yeah, co- cosmos in which, in within what we function. Leadership is a role we take guardianship is the foundational container that we're within. And I like the altruism inherent in guardianship, that guardian is that the primary thing is protection because the primary thing of that good person is safety. I feel safe with you. I can. Do you know what? I love that you said that because when you can exhibit your fears and it's known, okay? More people actually trust you than not trust you. Oh, yeah. Because they realize, you know what, that actually is fair leadership. Sometimes you need to get called out on something. All of us do. Yeah. And now I'm not saying it has to be like harsh and horrible. Animals do it very particularly because... You don't have a lot of time when you live in a survival world, literally. I mean, we live in a thriving world. We're way past survival, but yet we're totally tilting the, 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 we're pushing the limits of that. You know what I'm saying? We're doing everything we (laughs) can to put ourselves back in survival. (laughs) Yes. But it, but it's interesting, isn't it though? Because if we're all mammals, okay. And it's funny because I always laugh about the animals. I'm like, they must have known something about being enlightened masters because they took a vow of silence where we humans, like, we just still don't get it. Talking is not the optimal means of superiority. Um, It's just a funny thing because I, I think that because of that literal fact that we are still mammals, you can think and talk about how technologically advanced you are and all of that stuff. But if you don't remember what your actual primal nature is connected to nature, how many civilizations have come before that have all blown themselves up? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and that to me is that humbleness of letting go of everything I have ever thought and was conditioned and trained to from a human perspective. Mm-hmm. and just kind of hang back and it's like well let me just watch what they would do you know do like, we, or how they would handle it or do we have know. time for you to teach us that breathing technique yes 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 yeah i learned 
So I was a um, fitness trainer for many years. I was an elite level fitness trainer. So we thought, you know, like my breathing's amazing. I've got great cardio endurance, all of that kind of stuff. And then I started studying with a Chinese energy master <laughs> and I started studying Qigong yeah. and it became one of these things that I just dove in fast and furious. It took me two years to make the decision to study Qigong because I knew it would change my whole life mm. and it would change everything I thought and everything I believed. And I didn't know if I was ready to, to yeah. live in that kind of a juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. But when I entered it, I mean, my practice was every day, twice a day, an hour in the morning, an hour at night. And it's standing movements and coordinating. You don't even really realize how much the breath and the body get coordinated. But one day I was standing in my room and I was shown a very specific breathing sequence by my guides. And they were like, this is the thing that you need to teach. Now, that was 20 years before I met the wolves. Wow. So I didn't understand why they were telling me to do this and practice it, but I under, I innately understood something. I just had no idea what context it was in. Mm -hmm. So our breathing, especially when we're breathing into the sympathetic, the parasympathetic, when we're breathing into our belly, there is a way that we can breathe that like before when we said that the liver energy will go up, but optimally, that's going to create the anger that's going to make us feel all kind of like out of control. And then for a lot of times women will get mad, but then they get upset. So what we want to do with the breathing is actually start sending it downward. Okay. We want to start anchoring it and holding it. So when we literally, when we talk about in any kind of meditation and we say root, it's not just rooting your feet. It's literally rooting your breath and your tantian, which is two, two inches below your belly button. In yoga, it's called the hara center. Mm -hmm. In Chinese medicine, it's called the tantian. So all we wanna do is just take one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly, and just breathe in through your nose and just notice. Don't try to change anything, don't fix anything. Just your automatic response when you breathe in. What goes, what hand do you feel first? The hand on your chest or the hand on your belly? For me, it's the belly. Okay. For most people, I would say a good 87% of people, it's going to be the chest. Mm -hmm. So the chest, breathing towards the chest is going to activate sympathetic nervous system. That's your fight or flight. It's always being in fear. It's kind of literally being trapped in your intellect. Mm. Belly is going to activate parasympathetic, which is calm, relaxed, mind, body, spirit, organized together as one unit. And from breathing in and out of the belly, that's where you actually start to learn. I don't want to say you control your fear. Okay. You, you listen to your fear because like you explain, like you and your daughter and the, and the, the, the cougar, that's actually a good fear. Cause that's going to save your life. Yeah. <laughs> but then there are other fears. Like we got traumatized somewhere and now, you know, maybe in childhood and now we're in a situation in adulthood that is somehow mirroring or triggering. And unless we change the breath, it's very difficult for us to change the pattern. Mm -hmm. So both hands on your belly. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. 
Okay. The other thing I realized, and, and the animals became my further teachers of this, you, if you can control the breathing and start getting the other being, if you're calm enough that you can keep your breathing balanced, you will automatically entrain the other being or like, why, why do they say, you know, when you're all of a sudden around a dog or a horse, it changes your heart rate. Yeah. Because they're actually entraining you yeah. to that frequency of what it is to be in your body. <clears throat> One thing I learned was nothing in the brain will change that is not preceded by a breath. Mm-hmm. This can't change unless the gut gives it a signal to change. Right. So that's why sometimes you'll see if the horses are continuing to be pushed out and then all of a sudden one of them just takes a deep breath. Mm -hmm. He finally got it. He finally got it. He got it to change it. When I'm working with puppies and you know, there's this soon as they take that big deep breath. Now they just changed. Same thing with humans. We're trying to learn something, trying to take something in and then there's a breath and there it goes. I, the only reason I bring this up is they said, if you want humans to find something, put it under their nose. Or if you don't want humans to find something, put it right under their nose. The breath is vital for working with the animals and also for activating and being in our fear. So with your hands on your belly, we're going to breathe into the nose, relax your jaw, gently release your tongue to the bottom of your mouth. And as you breathe in through your nose, Just let your belly expand out in front of you. As you exhale, go from below, right below your belly button, send that point towards your lower back, okay? So it literally is like you're filling up your belly with air and then you're like kind of doing a little bit of a sit up from the bottom part of your belly, which is now pushing that air back up through your ribs, back up through your chest and out your nose. This actually starts to activate a much bigger clearing system of what the breath is actually used for. We're oh, only breathing from our so chest. That is so cool. That is so right? cool. All right, I got So I they tell us to anchor, or they tell us let your roots, let your feet go into the floor. But I will tell you this, especially for women, you also have to let your root chakra drop and anchor into the earth as well. That's why women are sometimes more stable in a lot of situations than men. Men only have the foot anchors. Women have that third anchor of the vaginal canal. Okay, so when we breathe in through our nose, what I want you to also do, not to be like sexual or odd or anything, but open up the muscles in the vaginal canal. So when you're breathing in, not only is the breath coming into your belly, It's also basically simultaneously coming right up through the center of your body, right into your belly as well. Now, when you exhale, let the, let your belly go to your back, ribs knit together, chest softens as you exhale, but then drop that anchor also from the vaginal canal to anchor into the earth as well. So what starts to happen is you literally start feeling the front emotional body start connecting in with the back will center. And all of a sudden you just feel much more present and anchored 
where you're not up here in fear. You're grounded and you're actually able to see the bigger picture of everything that's really going on. Okay, so inhaling through the nose, jaws soft, tongue relaxed, shoulders down. Also simultaneously, just opening the vaginal canal and letting the air come in. Okay, so we're feeling like the mix of heaven and earth that happened right in the womb. And then exhale, send your belly towards your low back. Gently knit, let your ribs kind of start to knit together. So when they knit together, it's like pushing the front and the back of the body. They just kind of fit together like a Lego piece. Mm -hmm. And as you keep exhaling, the chest softens and the air comes out the nose. It comes right out the nose. So inhaling belly, ribs start to fill up with air, chest starts to fill up with air. Exhale, belly goes towards the back. Energy is going down towards the floor while your ribs are knitting together, chest is softening, and the breath is coming out your nose. Inhale. Now, I gave you all the little pieces. Yeah, it's a lot. Now just inhale. I know, but now just inhale and let your belly go out. It's a lot, but it's really, really good. It's really powerful, I can tell. It's just, it's and Quite each piece an is a little key. Technique. I teach it so that it's like your brain's gonna be like, whoa, what did she say? What did she say? What did she say? But now, now just take an inhale. Now just take an exhale. Belly goes towards the back. Now take your inhale again. And then send your belly towards your back. So you see how when you're exhaling, since energy is also getting anchored downward, right? That actually is what starts the activation of the primal and the fierce. Hmm. Because what, what Ayana told me, what my dog told me about the fear and then the anger she said, you know, you women are so sweet. You start out with, honey, you know, can you do this for me? I need your help with something. So we're already sort of starting out a little bit on like the, oh, I hope they'll do it. A little bit on the fear side. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, and then they don't. And then you get into frustration. She said, and then when you don't have any place to go from frustration, then you start getting pissed. She said, but do you see how humans, you know, like we sort of vacillate along that spectrum? Mm -hmm. She said, what we do is we just stand in this breathing, in this space, and we just ask and expect that it's going to be done. She said, it's much more energy efficient. Yes, that's exactly right? it. And, and as humans, we'll go fear, frustration, anger. With the animals, they anchor in, and then they either start to go like this forward, right, with a little more intensity, and they'll only go to the intensity to which they need to for the other one to, you know, yeah. hear and feel what they're saying, and then they go right back into place. Yes. So that's why that's literally how that energy happens, that when fears happens, that's why there's not all of this other stuff because and, they're already anchored in their core. 
And that's why our human concepts of leadership and boundary setting are really freaking exhausting. Like if you go, Absolutely. I'm going to be the leader, and that takes so much energy and it takes you out of flow and life becomes yes. just hard goddamn work every single day. And you're like, you know what? I don't even care. If, if being a good leader means I have to live with this amount of tension and energy going out and always like, because I'm not about, I'm about flow. I'm about, can't we all just be decent? Can't we all just live in flow and all move towards like good stuff? And then you've got, you know, animals or kids who that's their job because they're here to help us evolve and help us figure out all these pieces who are just, you know, ragging on you all the time and then you go okay so now I have to be like this because this is what all the humans say and then you go back to the place like it's too exhausting and you know what I don't like who I am I don't like what my day looks like I don't like what my life looks like fuck it and then you're back to that but what you just described where all the fierceness is anchored from the breath and what the that circuit it's is doing from dropping and, and I would like to point out, just because as you were talking, I was actually doing it. Um, from all yeah. my yoga work, I normally root through the tailbone. But rooting through the vagina is a, it's more, it's a very powerful root, but it has an openness and an expansiveness to it that the tailbone doesn't have, which is what yes. I felt just now. Well, and to me, the tailbone, we're still at second chakra. Right. Right. We're still at sacral chakra. So it's like we almost get down there, but now we're right. being there. Well, and, so, and so it's like what you. For if you're a man, could you anchor through your anal canal? You can. I mean, here's the thing, right? We know now that the masculine is contained within the feminine, the feminine is contained within the masculine. If a man decided and said, wow, you know what? Damn, not only is it super efficient, right? Because what, what you're literally doing, okay, with this breathing is training yourself with just every single breath. You're just being it. You, you, this is yeah. where the consciousness sort of goes off. Because everybody's talking about consciousness. I'm like, I'm sorry. I met a really lot of really conscious, unconscious people. But when you're breathing it and being it, that is consciousness. That's mm -hmm. what they're all trying to strive to explain and understand. Total consciousness, if you were truly conscious, you wouldn't even be conscious of it. Yes. That's the truth, right? And so yeah. what are these animals? Just is. They're totally conscious, right? Because yeah. they're yeah. it. So yeah. They're literally training us to get back into that mode and that model just from our breath, we can save so much energy. We can be so much more efficient. And any man that actually wants to do this, it's so easy. He can just direct that area to say, okay, open up and root in the ground. Right. So he doesn't need to just tag it to a specific organ or specific, no. just that. No. I mean, just drop it. we're just literally... The female we're talking, you know, we just have different anatomy. Yeah. But then that you can also put in the piece that the male has a very, very important role to play. And what this breathing will do for a male 
is actually anchor and combine the male with the female. So you have that strength, you have that, you know, men are so great at organizing the containers. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We want that. They're so, they're amazing at organizing form and structure where mm-hmm. women tend to be more flowy, but now they can hold that flow and structure also with the sensitivity of what it truly is to be an authentic male. Mm-hmm. That doesn't come from a mindset. It comes from breathing in a way of being it. Your breath is the way you be it. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. It is that with the animals, it, because remember too, like anytime you feel anything in any of your animals, the only place it's coming from is their breath, how they're utilizing that space of breath to make yeah. something happen. Yeah. But at that most fundamental level, this is where they come from. And if we want to learn it, literally this breathing is where we start that foundational piece of combining our humanity with our animal self and really start humbling ourselves to, well, why are we here on the planet? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we will start to instinctually feel not, you know, we get taught, told a lot of things. We get told about science. We get told about the news. We get told about all of these things of all these facts, Mm -hmm. right? But the only way that you know, if the facts are actually true for you, you got to run it through your own body filter. Yeah. And it's not a mental thing because the mental thing that could sound great, but then that could sound great. So just like you said, does it feel like it's flow and is that your truth or does it feel like, you know, something's not right. I want to go up to my brain and try to figure it out when you're in flow. The reason you're in flow, you're not thinking you're using your first brain, your gut. That's what puts you in flow. And then the brain goes into almost like um, zero point, right? Because it's not like, yeah. oh, I got to go there. I got to go here. It's like, well, I'm just fully here, right? Yeah. So the body is the thing that makes the brain actually feel safe. The brain can't feel safe. The brain isn't anchored in anything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no roots to the brain except the spine and the breathing. Yeah, which leads us and yeah, all the way down. Right. And what we do is we treat the brain as like the, the command center. I'm like, that's why things are a little screwed up right now. It's really yeah, not exactly. Do you have a name for this breathing technique? Yeah, I call it the just breathe technique. And the way that I do it, I teach um, the mechanics of it. So I, I take you through the experience of the mechanics of it. But one other thing that I found that was extraordinarily helpful for me, I wanted to always be able to figure out like if there was a feeling or an emotion or a past trauma, I actually wanted to know what the root of it was that was creating the dis-ease in my body. Mm. So as I teach the mechanics of it, I also take you through a process of really being able to become very self-aware of what's happening in your own body, what it was being triggered by, and help you be able to clear it very, very easily. Mm-hmm. So it's like all the things that people do in therapy with the talk therapy and trying to figure these things out. I have found that the body, whether it's a human body or an animal body, there is so much wisdom 
I mean, all the knowledge is in there. You just have to be able to listen to it and it'll talk to you. It'll tell you everything. So this breathing really, not only does it help you communicate with the animals, but the first place we really have to have communion, it's within our being, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if, mm-hmm. if the hashtag me too movement has shown anything, there's a lot of us that have been traumatized. Yeah. So it's an extraordinarily simple, you, you know what's um, missing very from, effective way. You know what's missing from the Me Too movement is um, how about for all the males who caused the trauma and abuse to the females, how many of those males could say hashtag Me Too? Were- right? <laughs> like when exactly. are we going to realize this? Exactly. There's no, there's, there's this whole thing of a victim is just a, it's, it's just a high road into nowhere. It's done. Like, why don't we just- Well, not- what one of the things that this breathing actually does is because you start to because your body okay was physically in whatever trauma you experienced before you went up into your head what this breathing does is it actually activates the pineal gland almost immediately and the pineal gland is the third eye basically i mean that's what's at the center of the third eye so not only are you getting back into being able to see exactly what your body experienced so you could finally let it go. But the ancients say that the pineal gland is the seat of consciousness. So the interesting thing that started to happen with me when they taught me this breathing through my Qigong practice was I would know shit without, I, it's like, I've never read a book on it. I have no idea what this is, but this is what the energy is. And then like three months later, I'd read a book and go, Apparently, I know somatic, you know, stuff. Yeah. Because if we really tune in, literally, all the information is already in here. Everything that we're learning outside of us, it speaks to our intellect, but it's really the reason why we have so many different variations of things, yet people still aren't getting it. You don't get it from the outside. You get it from in here. Yeah. And so it started becoming like this breathing. Literally, I can walk around like a walking, talking meditation. I could read energy anywhere at any time. I'm fully present, but it really is like a fully present kind of meditative state. And one, one of the things I learned. No, go ahead. One of the things I learned, there was always this myth about the alpha, you know, and the studies that they had done or on a wolf pack that were all mixed no. and it was all yeah. males. And it was just, it was just, they came to the totally wrong conclusion that alpha yeah. means dominance. What I started actually studying because I was like, wow, what is this state that I'm in when I'm breathing this way? Because honestly, Jenny, it was literally the way to access the flow state consciously. Hmm. As long as I did this breathing, it was like, holy mackerel, you know, feeling like a Tai Chi master. When you look at what they actually scientifically verified as the alpha brainwave state, it's conscious, creative, clear, and able to be flexible and adapt to any situation. Mm. Isn't that what an alpha actually is? Mm -hmm. It's the one that sees the most. Yeah. That's why they lay down the ground rules for everybody else. That's why they're in charge because they'll see things that somebody else is going to miss. Yeah. 
one more so question. I just thought that this was fascinating. Mm. Absolutely. You, you're breathing in through the nose. When you breathe out, are you breathing out through the mouth through or the, the nose? nose? Through the nose. Nope. Through the nose. Okay. okay. And because you Because what have... happens is... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. When you're breathing out through the mouth, right? So we breathe in oxygen. We breathe out carbon dioxide. One of the biggest things that they have not connected in so many of the diseases that we see on the planet most people are breathing from up here. We need a certain amount of oxygen in. We need to expel the carbon dioxide for the trees. But also, if we have too much carbon dioxide in our body, it's toxic to our blood. Mm -hmm. This is actually the root of so many different diseases. That if we would just straighten out the breathing... Mm like 80% of people would actually just get healthy. Now, the reason why I don't breathe out through the mouth is because it's still going to activate you breathing out from right about here at your chest. You're right. But yeah. when exhale from your belly, it's pushing it out from the base of your stomach all the way back up. You're right. So I just, it gives you clear. Yeah, it's like, it's like there's a pressure system that can stay whole and together through the whole release. So I chested just then as you were speaking and I went and then I opened my mouth and it, then it opens it here. It's like, it just, it, yes. the, the thing that's coming from here, it then, it. then yeah, it's so it's absolutely yeah. very cool. Yeah. And, now and, you, and think about it, like other than dogs panting, right. Do, do, or horses to, do, do horses. <sighs> everything true, in and out true. the nose yeah. right true so so again i mean whether science has verified this or not i'm like okay apparently this whole like breathing thing keeping my pineal gland open and just like seeing stuff and learning stuff it's like oh they didn't even know this yet like they'll find they'll figure it out but they don't even know that this is actually what's at the root yeah right of oh my god this stuff is so simple but, but the whole point is, it's a holistic model. Yeah. We're not separating anything. We're, yeah. we're just bringing everything back together, I think, the way that the creator intended, you know, for us to live our optimal and life do and you, health. And do you have an MP3, an audio available that guides people through this, like, more yeah. in depth than full length? Yes. Yep. Okay. I, I do. It's, um, it, that's at, uh, www.thejustbreathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, technique.com. Okay. Perfect. And you can download it right from there. But I've, I have to just say a warning. Not only will you breathe better, but you're going to heal a lot of old things as well. So if that's what you want to do, fantastic. If it's not what you want to do, you might, that it might not be for you. Right. It's okay. just, it, it's just because of how the breathing is changing and a breath is a clearing house, right? We yeah. can keep, if the body, if the body is able to regenerate itself every single day, there's only one yeah. reason why we get sick. Yeah. Yeah. Body doesn't know anything but health. Yeah. Exactly. So if you, if you don't yeah. want to move into wholeness, give it a pass, <laughs> but right. if you're willing, to it would also help too. 
it, well, what is really cool too is when you are able to stand in that space of breath, it literally, I have watched the animals just go, you get it, mm-hmm. right? Like it opens up the space of communion and I don't just mean communication because communication is like the, the actions, like we're still picturing or we're still hearing yeah. or we're still, this is like, we're just it. Like there yeah. is, obviously you're going to be a human. Your horse is going to be a horse, but we literally enter the quantum energy field where literally before something even happens, we can feel it happening. So we're out of the way. We, it, it's, it's like where authenticity and intentionality totally meet. And it is that flow state. So this is the breathing that will actually just use it every day. Cause, mm-hmm. cause you know, initially it's sort of like learning to drive a stick shift car but then it becomes almost like driving like a yes. Porsche or a Maserati or a Ferrari yeah. because you become so fine tuned that you're not separating yourself into your thinking mind. You recognize that your thinking mind is actually um, the primary place that it happens is in your gut. Mm-hmm. And then it goes up to your brain. But when yeah. those are in sync, that way where it comes into your brain first, everything feels like god this feels so natural like mm-hmm. it feels like so much less effort you said it before that you know the other ways of breathing or gaining leadership it, it's 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 like all these parts and even though i break down the parts of the breathing once it happens mm-hmm. and you just start practicing and, and that becomes your default your life starts to become flow more and more and more and more of the time because the most efficient energy it is actually flow i'm getting a lot of it's interesting because i think like you said there's going to be like i obviously i've done martial arts and yoga for you know over 25 years so i've done a ton of breath work Mm -hmm. and i've meditated extensively but with what you've just i've been doing it while you've been talking and i'm getting a buildup of energy right here like as it's coming up, it's, it's very interesting. So I, you know, I'll, I'll work with it, but it's, it's interesting to say, wow, is that because it's the pathway up the back? I, I feel like the pineal is called. Using this. Yeah. yeah it's, well, there's we're something. Constantly using this. I'm going to mention one other thing. Um, there's a body of work called access consciousness. Hmm. One of the things that the founder of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas, did, he located 32 points on the head that are like the end of like the brain stem crystals, okay? And sometimes those can get kind of like solidified. I mean, they're really not supposed to get solidified. It's just supposed to be light, right? Moving in and out. Right where you're describing at the back of the head and off to the side behind the ears, what he located was a band on a bone called the implant band. The implant band is where we basically store all of the old thoughts, beliefs, conditioning, like everything that we've learned from society, from our parents, from everything. 
So as this breath is activating, what I would say is start just saying, uh, just start saying the words, run my implant band, run my implant band, run my implant band. Mm -hmm. This way, the old stuff that was sitting in there can just like be freed because the next piece, so you have that behind the ears and then the next piece like right here. Yeah. It's what's what he described as your power band. Oh. And that power band is the power that you have to know what you know as truth. That's the energy moving from the belly up to the back of the head in the will centers that's going yeah. to now start to inform the front centers. This is the way we should do it. Okay. Gotcha. So it's not a it's not a um how do we say it shouldn't be anything to be afraid or nervous about it might feel stimulating because realistically how often do we fully breathe this way yeah you know and it could be also clearing out some excess carbon dioxide that gets stuck Mm, right Um, right you know sometimes when we're not fully exhaling yes so it's just it's a cleaning system our breath was meant to be the cleansing system yeah for our body but it works so incredibly with the animals. It's mind-blowing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it to the horses today, actually. This is going to be very cool. I want to see yeah. what, they, what they have to say about it. It'll be very awesome. Alicia, thank you so much for all this time and, and everything welcome. you've shared with us. It's been so powerful. And um, I think this is going to go yeah, out so and awesome. touch and help and assist a lot of people to moving forward and also too, you know, all those people that have gut issues. So absolutely it's nutrition, no question. And this breathing can actually help clear out and, and sink the gut back up. I would say in addition to, you know, like this is the base and then you're getting your proper nutrition in there. And all of a sudden, you know, you talk about how do you make people healthy? It's like, give them good breath and give them good food. Very good point. It, right. And, and then, if and then wants when to- you have good breath and good nutrition, guess what? Now you can have some good sleep. So you have good sleep and you're not like, you're literally using the breath as kind of like the glue that puts everything together. Our world is very, just dissect everything. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, well, you dissect everything, but the truth is if you live in a quantum reality, everything is actually connected. Mm-hmm. So the breath is the glue that makes it all work. They, uh, there were on this planet at one time, maybe it was around the Garden of Eden, there were the breatharians. So they never even ate food they just breathed and there was so much nutrition in the air mm-hmm. that they were literally able to sustain healthy, vital bodies mm-hmm. without even having to eat. Like trees. So, yeah. Well, I mean, trees still need nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we still need nutrients, but it's amazing how many actual nutrients there are literally just coming from the air. Yeah. So, and if anyone too, I will be, um, I'm going to launch a, uh, 
white wolf retreat and going out and meeting the wolves in October in New Mexico. So if anyone is interested in that, they can also look at the white wolf way.com. Very cool. They can check that out. Yeah. And we'll be definitely be doing breathing there. Yeah. With you and the wolves. How exciting. Yeah. Well, I think the wolves and the horses have a beautiful. They do. There's a really beautiful energy. Really on there. Yeah. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you so much.